are listening to Food for Thought, a series that takes a bite into food-related stories from the Auckland Library's Heritage Collections and beyond. It's a recipe for good listening. I'm here at Level 2 Tamaki Pātaka Kōrero at the Heritage Collections exhibition Food for Thought and I'm meeting with two of the curators today, Elspeth and Harriet. Kia ora, kōrua. Thank you very much for making the time today. So tell me a little bit about your Food for Thought exhibition. Okay, well I've got a wall with um, some food quotes on it and there are a couple that sort of sum up the exhibition a bit and one of them I quite like is Eating food is one of the few human human activities which we all do every day if we can. This happens from the moment we are born to the day we die. So we looked at um, cookbooks, uh, what what we cook. We looked at why, some of the reasons why, you know, sort of celebrations, picnics. There's a case on war food, which Harriet has done. And then the sort of more going out, the, the restaurants and the takeaway side of things. Uh, we've got some very early cookbooks here. Mm. Um, what's your first, what's your earliest cookbook? So our earliest one is 1714, wow. which is a very tiny little, quite unexciting little book. And as was the case in, in those days with the cookbooks, they weren't really written for, for the cooks, they were written for the mistress of the house who would sort of tell the cooks and the servants you know, what she wanted. Something I learned about was Mrs. Beaton's cookbook. Mm. So we've got her um, first one here, and you sort of think of Mrs. Beaton as um, sort of going for years because her cookbooks are still going. But in actual fact, she wrote her first one when she was just 23, and she herself died at 28. So all these generations of Mrs. Beaton's cookbooks have actually had nothing to do with Mrs. Beaton, but um, it's a name we all know when we think of particularly older cookbooks. And um, it's quite a volume in terms of its its size there. So she's obviously, did she sort of collect what's the basis of her cookbooks? Yeah, they were collections, um, particularly these earlier ones. They weren't original um, recipes. They were ones that had been a collection of recipes from different places. And what's the earliest one of her cookbooks that we have? So the earliest, uh, so her first cookbook was um, 18, this one here is 1861. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, they, they, they sold a huge amount. Her first edition sold 60,000 copies in its first year, so mm-hmm. they were incredibly popular. Um, a mother and who a, studied catering college in England in the 1960s, she swore by Mrs. Beaton. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. always had one in the household. I think there's a lot of very familiar books um, in this exhibition that people will recognise and that's something great about cookbooks is that they're books that people use and the ones you see in the exhibition are ones people have used a lot as well. Um, there's something very familiar about right. them. And, the, and I can see here sort of two quite large cases with a, a sort of a selection of some of those, some familiar and some quite unique. Uh, yeah, so we've got two large cases of cookbooks. One of them is primarily um, community cookbooks. Mm. So ones that have been used usually for as a fundraising source, kindergartens, schools, um, churches. Often it's a way of um, producing a cookbook and, and making some money. Um, and the other one is just a, a very small selection of the very wide range of, of New Zealand cookbooks. Mm. Um, 
An obvious one, of course, is the Edmunds, A Sure to Rise cookbook. We have got a second edition here, which is um, 1912. Um, the first edition was 1908, and to date, unless there's some in private hands, there's only two of that first edition known to still exist. And of course, it's still going with, um, there's also an example of the um, most more recent one. But we've also got examples of um, other people, of course, Alison Holst, we've got things like Be Bold with Bananas. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's some gems. I said there's lots of familiar cookbooks, <laughs> but there's some yeah. that fads and fashions and cooking that have been uh, lost to the ages as well that yeah. might spark some memories. The exhibition really shows how New Zealand food and eating has changed over time and all these different influences on our, mm. our cuisine and what we eat. So it is quite interesting to see that in the range of cookbooks we've got here starting from a very British-focused type of diet and different cultural influences coming through. This um, book here in the front of this cabinet has, um, includes the hero image or, or some of the graphics from that. What's, what's the story with that one? Yes, yeah, so this is one um, from, it was a, a Graham Kerr, who as some people will recognise as one of our earliest um, celebrated celebrity cook, um, chefs, I suppose. <laughs> We'd prefer to be called a chef rather than a cook, wouldn't he? And this is, was from a, a food uh, festival held in the early 60s. Um, it's very obviously a New Zealand-focused drawing because it's got toe roast, a, a, a drawing of toe roast soup there, so right. that's quite interesting. But we've tried to bring in a few of the other things. Um, Jack Chong's new look cookbook and um, which people can hear an interview on the podcast with Sue G his daughter um, there's a Cook Islands cookbook um, good old microwave cookbook I remember when that <laughs> turned up at home in the 80s in the microwave <laughs> I was going to say um, Harriet's very interesting case on the different um, techniques and what had to take place during the war years. Right, mm. yes, times of scarcity. Yeah, definitely. And um, we noticed, you know, during times of disaster or crisis, food really plays a really important part. I mean, people still have to eat, even if there's a war on or a pandemic. <laughs> and possibly, especially during a pandemic, when you're at home and got nothing much to think about except what you're going to eat that day. But yeah, during um, the First and Second World War and, and in those years in between, uh, New Zealand, like the rest of the world, um, was in a time of scarcity and um, rationing. So in New Zealand, we weren't actually likely to run out of food during that time, but we were sending so much of it offshore to feed the people in Britain and to feed United States soldiers who were in the Pacific. Um, so there was a real culture here of trying to save and make do and um, that's reflected in a lot of the cookbooks here in this case so there's um, economy or economizing cookbooks that came out to help mostly women who were the cooks for their families in those times um, make make do with what they could get um, so how to make cakes without eggs or without sugar or <laughs> without butter um, there's a whole little book here called eggless recipes um, one of them has actually got a recipe in it for eggless, milkless, butterless gingerbread, which oh, I can't perfect say. perfect vegan recipe. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably got a contemporary kind of True, <laughs> yeah. attraction. It's come full circle. Um, there's also a couple of handwritten cookbooks in this case, um, which are really nice to 
um, really sort of connect to the people that once used them and wrote those recipes out. And I see this handwritten down, one down here includes for bottling of fruit and you've also got a a dedicated shelf to the art of preserving. Yeah, that was has been something that's been really important in New Zealand, um, cooking and housekeeping for generations. Not so much now that you can easily buy canned um, food and you can freeze and dehydrate food much more easily, but um, from colonial times, uh, that was a essential part of the yearly routine was to make your supplies last longer, make your fruit and your meat and your eggs and all those fresh foods um, last through the year. So there's a, a bit of a nod to that in this case as well. Indeed. And on the walls you've got these incredibly vibrant posters which are imploring us to eat more fruit <laughs> and keep fit. Yes, eat more fruit and keep fit. Um, the uh, two of them particularly are from the, we don't have exact dates, but from the 20s and 30s, so um, it's, a, it's a theme that's been going for a very long time now. Um, we have had, uh, had a, a visitor through last week who certainly remembered um, one of them as being on the sort of dental clinic wall, which I think some of the rest of us might, might remember. Um, we've got a case here not dedicated to, to drinking fruit, but one of the items, or two of the items in there, are the Uses of Juices, which is a, a little book that was first published in 1946, the first edition. It's a New Zealand, little New Zealand book, and it's um, continued to be in print, and there's a, there's a later one, 2007, here. So it's just one of those things that has an, a success story for that, mm -hmm. for... Um, and a bit of a sort of a focus on nutrition, on nutrition generally and vitamins I see um, featuring in this case as well. This is a very interesting illustration here of the digestive system, Nature's Living Workshop. Yes. <laughs> and some photographs in these um, cabinets. These cabinets are primarily photographs. This one's of picnics, just showing the, the um, a few different time periods from the, the quite well-dressed, if you like, taking everything you need, including sort of tablecloth and teapot and everything to sitting on the side of the road. Yeah. Um, opening a hangi and the good old sausage sizzle. sizzle. Classic. Outdoor eating, it's best. Mm. And this looks like some sort of celebration. So this is celebration, yes. So we, we cover primarily cakes in each one of these um, images plus a beautifully illustrated book uh, it's simply called the book of cakes um, from 1903 um, and the other so the birthday parties christmas weddings bar mitzvah yeah uh, including cakes okay <laughs> cake. very interesting um either of you want to tell me about what we know about joseph jenner eretz etching is it um, lithograph. Okay. I, so this was pr actually printed, uh, this is a, a copy of the original um, painting by Joseph Merritt, and it's, it shows the Maori feast at Remuera. Um, so in May 1844 there was this huge feast put on by um, Waikato Iwi. Mm -hmm. um, thousands of people attended, mm -hmm. went on for days, um, and the amount of food was huge. Um, 
like to, let me just read out. So there were 11,000 baskets of potatoes, 9,000 sharks, 100 pigs, pigs, and large quantities of tea, tobacco, and sugar. So it mm. was very well catered for. Um, it was a meeting with Governor Fitzroy. Yes. So. 1844. It's a, it's a, interesting the quantities of, of food required to cook <laughs> for a large <laughs> number of people. It's, it's, not, it's just phenomenal, thing. really. Yeah. That's yeah. something that's been quite fascinating, actually, looking back through the old cookbooks and seeing how labour-intensive a lot of cooking was. Like We've got one of our quotes on the wall is about how to make ice cream in the late um, 19th century and it starts with you know melting your your starting ingredients over the fire and then obviously people didn't have freezers so then agitating it with ice to actually cool it down you almost think why did people bother but <laughs> for special occasions it was obviously worthwhile Indeed. so um, we're sort of moving from the home more home-based cookery um, aside from the Māori feast and Vimbuera, to more of the restaurant ephemera. Uh, yes, so in, in this corner of the gallery we've got um, menus from various Auckland restaurants, mainly from the, the sort of the 60s, a little bit the 70s, but the, very often the, the menus were able to be taken away as a souvenir um, yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? Imagine if you walked out with the menu these days. Menu today it wouldn't be popular. Because <laughs> um, they're beautifully printed, they're, some of them. Very nice. Um, and in sort of part of that theme, also our digital display is of various um, restaurants from mainly the um, 60s, a few 50s and 70s. Um, photographs taken by the Reichenberg Studios, who, because going out to dinner was perhaps not quite as common as we think of it today, so it really was a special occasion. And the Reichenberg Studios would send a photographer around to quite a lot of the restaurants and take a photograph of that occasion, which people could um, then sort of buy. And they, they produced it this as well, like a, fold, a special folder for each sort of restaurant that the photograph could go in. So it was a memento. Um, of the night out, if you like. And so is that what these like, and that is, are? And that's what these are. So we'll go through the ver various um, restaurants here. So we've got places like, well, this is the Royal International Hotel that's come up. We've got El Matador, um, the Gourmet. And where possible, there's a photograph of, of that restaurant, either internally or ex externally as well. That's so that's sort of a bit of nostalgia for anybody who was eating, sort of restaurant going in the 60s and 70s. The other case here is about sort of takeaways, just remembering some of the ones that there's a mention to McDonald's and Pizza Hut and right. um, Georgie Pie, which of course didn't last. Um, and on the wall we've got a couple of photographs of the White Lady, which is of course the White Lady Pie Cart, which is still going. Yep. I hadn't realised it had started quite as early as 1948 hmm. and um, it's still run by the same family, which was I, I didn't realise. So these photographs, there's an external one and must have been taken just minutes later because you can see the same people on the counter from the inside. So oh, isn't that lovely? They, so you can, you, yeah, so you can <laughs> see both sides of them. And we've just got a, a small case here with a, a nod to our changing tastes, I suppose. Um, just talking about the different cultural festivals that we have, like... Um, Diwali and Pacifica and the Lantern Festival where there's every opportunity to 
to taste something a bit different, probably a bit more authentic than perhaps some of the, for instance, the Chinese restaurants that we've been used to who have been here for a long time, but I suspect that what we were offered weren't terribly authentic Chinese food. Partly, I think, because in those earlier, you know, 50s and 60s, they couldn't actually get access they to the ingredients. They couldn't get the ingredients, so, yeah. and, um, these days and working towards a, a sort of very European taste, but yeah. now we're quite happy to try something new, usually. Wow, so these are foods that are sort of weren't on shopping lists before 1950, and includes things like the tamarillo. And the yeah, I think a lot of those are things that people would have not bought from the shops because they would have grown them or or harvested them or gathered them themselves. Mm. Um, and a lot of um, processed foods obviously on there as well that weren't available. Well, that's fantastic. That's well, I really um, recommend that people come and have a look for themselves. There's a whole case that's highlighting some of our special cereals as well, some of which are able to be borrowed still. They're in, in current runs, aren't they? And the series of lovely quotes on the wall so um, thank you, and people can come right through to the end of January. That's right, yes. Yep. And over the school holidays, um, we're hoping to have some kids' cookbooks as well that kids can have a look through and get some inspiration for cooking. Awesome. Well, thank you both very much. visit the Food for Thought exhibition at Tāmaki Pātaka Kōrero, the Auckland Central City Library from the 28th of September to the 31st of January 2021. It's a feast from Auckland Library's heritage collections, rare books, manuscripts, menus, posters and oral histories, with stories of Auckland life from kitchen table to restaurant banquet. No mai haere mai, no reservation required.